Welcome to the Live Well Podcast. I'm your host, Liv, a naturopathic doctor, mentor, energy healer, Akashic reader, intuitive, energetic business mentor, and honestly, so much more. I help you heal on a physical and emotional level so that you can feel delicious in your health, body, relationships, career, and bank account. This show is for those of you who are looking to go beyond the basic wellness stuff, cut out the BS, and really create a life you love. We talk about health, trauma healing, energetics, feminine energy, wealth, and magnetism so that you can live a life that feels delicious. In these episodes, we will have an honest conversation without the fluffy bullshit. You walk away with all of the insights, tools, and tips to truly live your best life, mind, body, and soul. If you are looking to live well, you are in the right place. For ways to work with me, visit keepupwithlive.com and follow me on Instagram at keepupwithlive for more. And with that, let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Live Well Podcast. I am so excited because I have lined up another stellar guest for you. We are on a roll with some amazing guests for you, and we have another mom coming on the show. I have watched her for years on YouTube, honestly. I think she's the only person I've watched consistently ever since I started, and that is Nicole from HealthNet Nutrition. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hey, Liv. I'm so excited to be here because I feel like we've watched each other on YouTube over the over the years. Um, so if in case those are, those are new to my channel and what I do, I'm a mom. Um, but I've been doing YouTube and content creation online for the last almost 10 years. I don't know when my anniversary is coming up, but it's been a long time. So I was doing YouTube before it was like an official job. Like it's weird that now I, people will be like, I want to be a YouTuber as a career. It definitely was not that when I started. And when I started, it was primarily around like health, fitness, wellness. I was creating a lot of recipes and over the years it's transitioned a lot as my life has. Um, so now that I'm a mom, I have a two-year-old. So I actually became a mom over the pandemic, which is an interesting transition. So now my channel has, you know, evolved into motherhood, which I never thought would have happened. I talk about, you know, what to feed your baby. I share recipes for kids and my channel has evolved so much. And I basically just wanted to create a space of a beautiful community of just like-minded people who have a passion for health, wellness, and now motherhood. Although there are a lot of moms or uh, people that watch my channel that aren't moms, but they still, you know, love the like wellness and food content. And, you know, now I'm on all the things, TikTok, Instagram, um, like the blog stuff. I feel like if you're going to do stuff online, you have to be sprinkled across a little bit all over the place. I know. <laughs> it's been wonderful to kind of watch you evolve. And I think even in like your mom stuff, it's a lot of like healthy, you know, how to get, cook good things for your baby, how to like, and it's all simple and easy. And I know I watch your stuff, even though I'm not a mom and you're one of the few like mom content I watch. And I still just love watching it, even though I'm not a mom. There's something I love about it. So I can see why there's like other people like me who also watch it and are not a mom. And I was thinking about this last night. When I was going to bed, obviously. But I remember when I started watching you back when you were working. I don't remember where you worked, but I remember your what I eat the days when you were in the office. And I remember your little like desk. And I remember like what the kitchen looked like when you would go to the kitchen for lunch and warm it up. I'm like, oh my god, that felt like a different lifetime ago. Does it feel for you oh. like it was like it's been a while? 
it's funny that video was actually my first viral video and so yes before I became a mom and now I feel like I do not leave my house I used to work my background is in business marketing and that's what I went to school for that's what I did in the corporate world it was feels like a lifetime ago um, I, yeah, I worked in downtown Toronto for a large financial institution and I was doing digital online marketing there. And that video, I kind of got permission to film. <laughs> I went like off hours on the weekend to film. I wanted just to, for people to relay on what meals that you can take to work and everyone would be like, oh, you know, I can't relate to all the YouTubers that are doing the wedding days and they're in their pajamas till noon and they're just making these like fancy acai bowls with all the toppings and that's not relatable. Like I can't do that. So I thought I'm going to take everyone to work with me and show what I, what I eat. And I share at the time, um, I was commuted, commuting on the train. I wasn't living. I was done school. I had moved back um, up north for a bit. And I was commuting on the train and packing my lunches and then, like, heating stuff up at work and stuff. So I actually, I feel like it was the only video like that on, on YouTube at the time. And I think that's why it went viral uh, because it was just out of the norm. And I did a what I eat a day at my actual work. And I thought, so I, I had my little film crew, which was my sister and my cousin at the time. <laughs> And we like stuck in and yeah, the video uh, went viral because I think it was just really relatable. And although people thought all I did at work was eat because that's what the video was about. So I only shared what I was eating at work. I think it just gave some ideas and context to people who aren't in their PJs till noon and like what they could actually make at work. Yeah, that was definitely, that was the video I found you. Like, it was definitely that video. Really? And I really like how you said about the transparency and I feel like that's something that you've carried through, through your content, through everything you show is like the transparency. You're not like a sugar coat. You show the real stuff, which I think it's that relatability and that transparency that people crave and people like, and that's what makes you, people want to come back and watch your stuff because it's not like always perfect because nothing is always perfect. Like, and I think you've done a really good job of like carrying that through even to, to motherhood. Yeah, I, you know what? I just try to share both sides. I feel like the internet can be a really amazing place, but it can also be, you know, a really um, judgmental space, comparison. Um, it, it can make, it, you know, it can make you feel not so good at times. And I feel like when I became a mom, you know, I like to say I have a very spirited uh, toddler. And, you know, although like she, after, after a lot of hard work, like she's such a great sleeper and like, you know, she's a good, eat. she can be picky, but every toddler is, uh, you know, she, she's a good eater and all that, but she has a crazy personality. And I feel like from the minute she like, I like birthed her, she was wide awake. Like I never got that like sleepy newborn face with her. She was just very awake. And I find a lot of times online, um, because I, I gave birth to her during the pandemic, it was very, it was a very lonesome time for me and very isolating. And, I really could only relate to other moms on the internet because I wasn't seeing other moms with other babies. Everyone, you know, wanted to stay separate. And uh, also she was so little at the time. But as she started to, you know, get older and, and have her personality develop, I would follow these other moms online that only would share. And I'm not like putting hate on other moms that share just like the good times because those are the fun, fun times to share and document. But that's all I was seeing. No tantrums, no screaming, no no like venting as a mom, no nothing. And I thought, and my baby's the only one that cries. My baby is the only one that's going through this awful four month sleep regression. My baby, it's like, how come 
my baby isn't doing this. And I realized that it's just because no one shares it. And even when I decided to share little snippets of it, I also got a lot of shame about it. And I'm not documenting my daughter just crying all day long. And I mean, a five second clip, the amount of messages I would get of judgment, but also on the total polar opposite of, oh my gosh, this is what I needed for my mental health. Thank you for sharing this. And it was probably, I'd say like 90% positive, whether they shared publicly or not. And then, you know, you got the 10% that's like, why are you sharing your daughter like freaking out because she doesn't want to take a bath, you know? So you get judgment no matter what you do. Well, you're also, you're a five line in human design, which is, that's the trigger line. So I feel you want, you're, you're just, you're born to be triggering, which is fine. But I think one thing that you also model well is that you also prioritize like health and wellness and really taking care of yourself while also being a mom. And I think number one, I think number one thing I hear from moms is time, you know, the time to give to yourself to be healthy. So how do you really prioritize like health and wellness for both you, Matt, Sage? Because I think so many listeners think like, obviously there's a time and place for like dino nuggets and <clears throat> best eating, like, but there's also you, I think seem to strike a really good balance about creating like some good wholesome meals that are easy, but you're not running yourself into the ground. So how do you kind of always like prioritize that health and with motherhood and everything going on? Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's obviously very common, you know, you go from having so much free time to all of a sudden, you know, you have this extra human in your life that is, you know, a time sucker and you try, you're trying to do everything you did before being a mom, but as a mom. So like, you're trying to fit, I saw this one time on the internet where it's like, you're trying to fit your whole like previous life in like a four hour window during that day. Maybe like you have four hours during the day that are actually like time for work or for you or whatever the case is. And you just start, you have to like reprioritize things. You can't, definitely not when they're really young, you can't do everything you did before you have to like strategize. And, you know, I'm really fortunate that I have an, I have an amazing partner, like Matt Sage's dad is like so supportive. You know, we're, we're both fortunate to be able to work from home. Um, you know, we do have, have help now with childcare, but we didn't for the majority of her life. So we definitely had to work on balancing. And when it comes to Focusing on your health, I know that can go out the window. You know, you're trying to feed your baby, bathe them, uh, put them to bed, all this stuff. And you're like the last on on the to-do list. And you will quickly realize that if if you don't have your health as a mom, you're not going to be able to be a good mom. Like taking care of yourself is being a good mom. So that means making sure you're eating. Like, you know, I've been, I've been breastfeeding my daughter for a long time now, but even in their early months, you are consu- you are making so much. If you are breastfeeding, you are consuming uh, or using so many calories to create milk. And if you are not nourishing your body and sleeping and all that stuff, your milk will um, like it'll, it'll uh, affect your milk supply. So it's it's almost like your body telling you like get the rest, make sure you're eating, stay hydrated, or you're not going to be able to feed your baby if you are breastfeeding. So, you know, for me, it was simple things like meal prepping, a quick energy snack, whether it was like, you know, energy bites or something I could put in the freezer. I made a lot of my, I have these like trail mix granola bars on my blog that I made a lot. Um, I would always have like a water bottle with me. 
green smoothies have migrated into my mom life. We, I make a family smoothie for all three of us now. And it's great because I can pack lots of nutrition, like, you know, from your stuff, like eating healthy, it can be really simple. It doesn't have to be fancy. Like those acai bowls that I was talking about. A smoothie is a five minute breakfast. Like that is the easiest thing you can make. And I just always make sure to prioritize myself. So like right now, my daughter has a sniffle and even Matt has been feeling off and I'm like taking my vitamins, doing all the things. So I'm like, I can't afford to be sick. I got to take care of everybody else right now. So my, my health is priority. So it sounds like you have like a lot of habits of whether it's like have smoothie bowls or this or that, that you kind of do to keep yourself well. Are there certain habits or like rituals routines you had to adopt at different stages <clears throat> pregnancy to newborn to toddler that are like were there some key things that like the habit of this really helped me support be a better mom healthier mom happier person I think you said I would when you were pregnant or something like that yeah so I was actually going to say movement has been something that has been consistent throughout my pregnancy postpartum journey and even now with a toddler I feel like, um, especially after the pandemic, everyone's inside so much and that affects so many things. And I, when I was pregnant, I had a lot of nausea and stuff, especially in the first trimester. And I started to, even though I didn't feel like it, I started to take my dog out for walks. And I noticed there was a correlation there when I, and it was just starting to, cause I got pregnant with her, like I'd say early spring, late, late winter, early spring. It was like, uh, late February. And so like the weather was starting to like slowly get better. And I would just start taking my dog out for long walks. And I noticed that the days that I would go for a nice long walk, I had, I just felt like I felt less emotional. Um, I had, you know, a little bit more energy. I less nausea for sure. And I just felt happier. And when I was just home by myself, not doing anything at all, I just, I felt my worst. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make daily walks my thing. Also, I had this, I think it was like a 10, 15 minute prenatal stretch that I did every day. And it just felt really good. It took me 15 minutes. I had, by the end of my pregnancy, I'd memorized it. Like I could do it right now and still remember it because I loved it so much. And, um, and then I would also like work out and stuff. Like I had a, like a prenatal coach that I would see once a week. That was really great. So I was doing pregnancy safe exercises, but it's not so much like intensity. It's just the um, like the consistency of it, whether it's you walk or you do weights, it doesn't have to be this really intense thing. I wasn't doing like burpees pregnant, but I was moving my body. And even, um, in my postpartum journey and now uh, having a two-year-old, like we go outside every day. Um, that's just part of our lifestyle. It's ingrained. And I noticed, like, I felt like I had a bit of the winter blues recently. And I was like, it was really bad weather and it was raining and we weren't going out and I realized it's that lack of fresh air and just like reconnecting with nature that really affects me if I don't go outside for a long period of time I was gonna say like I want the movement like if you were walking inside like I'm not sure you probably would have had some difference but I think it's like the walking plus being outside that really probably compounded it whereas like you could walk inside on a treadmill which is fine but like if it's minus 30 sometimes you don't want to walk outside but like that fresh air, mm-hmm. I think movement, because that's like what a trend I kind of like see you saying is like you're getting outside and moving. So like movement plus outside. Yes. Something about, you know, the fresh air, like even when I come in, I just feel like my airways are clear. I don't know. There's something, there's more, you know, like your cheeks are rosy. Like it doesn't matter what temperature, what, 
you know, time of the year it is, whether it's summer or winter, like we just, you just stress. I saw this thing the other day. It was like, there's no such thing as bad weather, just like bad, um, like how basically how, like you're not dressing properly for the weather. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, they'll complain about the weather, but I've just been really trying to embrace the winter this year. We were in Florida last winter, which was great, but also Sage didn't get to uh, experience the snow. So this year we're doing lots of snowy activities. Like we uh, went skiing the other day. We've been taking her snow tubing. She loves it. And I feel like instead of complaining about like, oh, it's snowing. I just think, you know, there's people around the world that will never experience snow. And I find it like, even though I don't like it all year round, it's just, you know, it's a season, it will pass. And so we just try to enjoy it as much as we can. I'm all for the snow. Like I will gear up. I will put snow pants on if I have to walk outside. I also have these cleats that I'll put on my winter boots if it's icy. I'm like, I have no I need those. Yeah, they're like Amazon, you just put them on your boot. I'm like, please, like I'm walking no matter what. I feel like it makes such a difference. Even if it's not too long, it just, like you said, getting outside. <clears throat> So are there any things that you wish that you were told before becoming a mom or with things that you wish you had known? I know you had a good YouTube video about a month ago, kind of like on this and it was so good. I think it was like things you wish you were told or knew or you wouldn't or wouldn't do. Are there, what are like the standout things that maybe people didn't talk about or like why didn't no one talk about this? Like, uh, yeah, there's definitely. Oh, go, you go ahead. No, like for me, I'm like, no one talked about how difficult it is to not have sex for six weeks after, like, giving birth. For you, like, what were the things that you, like, wish that, like, people aren't talking about that you're like, whoa, I never saw this, and now, like, you have to navigate it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, definitely, and I feel like it was, I don't know if it was my doula, someone pointed this out to me, and it's like, when you're pregnant, you're prepping for, you know, the nursery, like, all the cute outfits, and, um, like, all, like, the, the baby shower, all those, I'm going to say more like materialistic things and the, the things that I wish I had prepped more for. And I started to near the end. Cause I started to get, uh, just, um, people telling me that I had in my support team being like, you know, th- these are important things. And it's like, you know, um, breastfeeding sleep, even, uh, learning about babies on with, uh, like introducing them to solids, like, don't wait till that time to start learning about that phase because sometimes it'll take a little bit to like research and absorb that information, get set up. And a lot of times everyone's focused on like the cute fun stuff, but you know, take like a lactation course. There's so much information available online. Now you can get free stuff, you can get paid stuff, whatever fits your budget. And that was something I wish I did more information or research on. I felt like I only started when Sage was born because then it was like, okay, yes, like time to learn how to be a mom, you know, and knowing how to feed your baby is so important, whether you're breastfeeding or you're doing formula. Um, I even had last minute, I ended up getting like a backup formula that I had researched and stuff just in case, because I was convinced that like I wasn't gonna be able to produce milk yet. Here we are two plus years later breastfeeding honestly never would have thought but you don't know um you know which which direction you're going to be able to go even if you want to do something so like that's important and the baby sleep I had no idea like you you hear stuff from you know friends and family but every baby is so different I had no idea about different leaps and and sleep regressions of babies and that was a that was a big like eye-opener to me when 
Um, like when babies are born, they kind of go through this like honeymoon phase where they just kind of sleep all the time anywhere. And you don't really need to be in a routine. That's like the, it's, it's the hard part, but it's also the fun part because they will just sleep for hours, fall asleep anywhere. But something happens around four months where their brain develops a little bit more and they start sleeping more like an adult. Like they just, their, their mind is just developing differently. And then they start to, their sleep cycle, they start to wake up and stuff a little bit more. And that was probably the one, hardest, mostly on my, like my mental health for me, because I was the one waking up every like hour and a half. And that was after the newborn stage. And I eventually found a sleep consultant. And I wish I had that information earlier on because I just thought like, oh, you'll figure it out. And that didn't work for me. So, you know, there's experts out there for a reason and people like train in these specific things. So try not to make it so hard on yourself. Like find they, and a lot of them will give out free information too, if you can't take their courses, but that was uh, a huge uh, learning for us for sure. Do you have any like favorite specific, whether it's accounts you follow or podcasts or books or like any specific things that you could shout out that you think really like helped you that we could direct people to? Yes. So there was a book um, called, I think it's called Wonder Weeks. It's really helpful. It talks about the different leaps of like developmental leaps that your baby goes through. So there's an app that goes with it as well. And it's great because you can, if your baby's like extra fussy that week, you can go and it'll be like, your baby is going through this big leap. And this, they may be the three C's is like clingy, crying, cranky or something like that there's like three c's and it'll just tell you what's going on and it'll have like a weather like a little storm cloud during different areas like on the app so that can be like a little coach guiding you through that was really helpful um the uh sleep consultant i worked with was uh little baby sleep i think is her instagram account she has a it's called like your dream plan and she was amazing throughout the, all, our whole journey, I had a subscriber actually reach out to her and say, you need to help Nicole because she's like struggling with baby sleep. Cause I was just coming on Instagram every day, like crying. <laughs> so um, that was really great. So thank you whoever reached out to her. And there's also for once you're getting into solids, um, there is a great app as well called, I think it's called baby food basics or I think it's something basics and it will, you can Google or search any type of food and it will tell you how to serve it to your baby at whatever age and whether it's a baby safe food. So I remember when I did edamame, I was like, Ooh, like can Sage have that? And I just Google it or search it on the app and it would just pop up. And then of course there's the baby health nut cookbook, which I created. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, um, yeah, a bit of a segue to like starting solids for your baby. I never thought before becoming a mom, I actually would, would not make fun, but I was like, what is the deal with baby? Like everybody sharing like baby food recipes. There's like cookbooks and blogs dedicated to feeding your kids. And I just didn't know what the whole hype was. And then I went through that stage and I was sharing, you know, recipes that I was making for Sage online on Instagram. And I got so many questions about where, where people can get these recipes. And I was like, I don't know, I'm just like making these up. And I started writing them down and I ended up putting them all together into a digital cookbook um, called the Baby Health Nut Cookbook. And it basically has all the recipes that I started feeding my daughter Sage from six months and now into toddlerhood. I'm actually working on the second edition, but this book went, we launched it last February 
and it's crazy. The mom community is nuts. Let me tell you, we've sold thousands of copies of this book and the feedback I've gotten has been overwhelming. So I'm working on the next one and everyone's already like hounding me, hounding me for it. But um, the recipes are delicious and Sage loves them. And I feel like they will definitely help other picky eaters out there and just parents navigate who maybe don't have a background. You know, I, I have a background in recipe development. I'm also a cookbook author and I just put all my knowledge into this baby food book and it's helped so many parents navigate that journey. So we're going to link that down below and I feel like it's probably simple recipes. Like we're not making like some sort of fancy thing. Yeah. No, they're so, yeah, they're so easy. You know, everybody can make them and you, you need when your babies are little and you're already getting like not a lot of sleep, you need something you can just like mix together in a bowl you know, pop it into a muffin tray, boom, you got muffins for the week. Like these are super easy. Anyone can make recipes. Is it, there's a spinach pancake. So I say spinach pancake. Spinach pancake. Yes. Yes. They're just like ones you make in the blender. Um, because when babies are little, they definitely need, uh, they have higher needs for iron. So you want to make sure to get like those, le those green veggies and stuff in their diet. And it can be hard because you're not going to serve them, you know, wilted spinach. They're like too young for that. So you got to like blend them up into stuff and also get them interested in green food. Cause I find you, you want to do like a variety of colors. I find a lot of baby food is very bland looking. It's like gray or beige and you know, you want to serve them different colors and get their taste buds introduced to all those different flavors. Because let me tell you, once they turn one, that's, that's when the picky eating really begins and if you haven't kind of started that foundation, it just makes it so much harder to navigate that picky eater stage. Okay. Well, everyone's going to grab, if you have a kid even if, or you have like a toddler, you're going to go get the ebook. We're going to link that down below for everyone. We'll give your viewers a discount code too. I'll send it to you. You're so sweet. Cool. Now, it seems like you're, you have a good, pretty good routine in terms of like your day to day that kind of like keeps you well, like your movement and everything like that for people or even moms, but I think honestly anyone could benefit from this who want to create a more healthy lifestyle in 2023. What would you say in terms of like shift this in your routine? This is like, will make a massive difference. Like what are like small things that you notice make a massive difference? Um, I feel like, well, as you know, I've been making a lot of changes lately. So, and I feel, I feel like as your kids grow, they, it changes your routine too, because when Sage was a newborn, you know, I had to have midday naps in order to get through the night. So it was no longer like me waking up at 6am and starting my morning routine. I was like, if she's sleeping, I'm sleeping. So as a new mom, it can be really discouraging when you're like, oh, my routine's changed so much. Like how am I, you're seeing all these like wellness um, like influencers online and you're like, I, I don't have time to journal. Like that's just not fitting my schedule. So I think you need to adjust as your kids are growing and that's totally okay. And I think what happened with me is once Sage started sleeping through the night, I was like, we, we'd put her to bed, say at, you know, uh, like 6 30 PM. And we'd have all this free time until, you know, our bedtime, which I feel like every parent can relate because I see so many like memes and stuff online, but it's like, you know, everyone, every parent's tired and then their kids go to bed and it's like party time and they're up till midnight because that's their time. And it starts to become a habit. And then you're like tired in the morning when they wake up at 630 because they went to bed at 630. So for me, um, 
as she's gotten older and now has a good sleep schedule, that's now when I'm re-implementing my morning routine again. So it just, even if you're not a morning person, if you want to feel like a human being before your kids wake up, you have to wake up before them. I've gone through periods where I haven't done this and when I have, and the difference it makes to my day, wake up, even if it's half an hour before they wake up. But you know, our daughter wakes up at 7.30 a.m. So I set my, actually woke up this morning at 6.30 and my morning routine is very condensed now. You know, five minute journal. I actually have like the five minute journal. It takes less than five minutes to do. I make my herbal coffee. Um, yes, I'm one of those crazy moms who doesn't drink coffee, but um, you can do it. You don't have to live off caffeine. And I do my five minute journal. I have my herbal coffee. I do like a quick meditation. I used to do, there's been periods where I do like a 30 minute meditation right now. I'm doing 10 and that's totally fine. And then I just try to take a shower um, before she wakes up that way. Once she's up, it's, it's go time. You know, it's, I feel like they're so demanding. <laughs> they they're like, I want milk. I want my breakfast. I want to play. I want you. If you're trying to do your stuff while doing their stuff, like you're going to lose your mind and you're going to feel depleted before the day has even begun. So my biggest tip is just to wake up before your kids, even if it's half an hour and then go to bed earlier. That is, that's the key. Like do not stay up till midnight. I know it's so hard, but that has really been an important practice to add to just like my everyday. All right, guys, I just wanted to hop in and let you know that goddess activation is now open. So I have not done a live round in a hot minute and we have brought it back because I am so deeply passionate about doing this healing work. So you've got two options. You can do the modules only, which is a beautiful option. If you are not ready or able to jump into the live calls, there's reprogramming tracks in there. There's all the videos to do with negative self-talk, people pleasing, worthiness. I mean, there's so much juicy stuff in there. And then if, and when you're ready, also join us in the live calls. So we are going to be doing all the emotional somatic releasing. Plus you get the techniques and everything like that. That's blocking you from really feeling delicious in your skin and not only loving the life that you live, but loving yourself. So if you engage in negative self-talk, people please don't set boundaries, don't feel worthy, not totally in love with your body, all that kind of stuff. Like I get it. I've been there. It sucks. This is everything I did to heal my deep self-worth so that I can become magnetic naturally for everything I desire and live more in alignment. What you have to understand is that when you love yourself on a truly deep level, everything in your life improves. Your relationships, your friendships, your magnetism, happiness, even how much money you make in your careers. It's pretty profound, which is why I am so passionate about this work. It is a four-week intensive. It is everything about creating a life that is a direct reflection of what you believe you are worthy and deserving of. So start living a life where you feel magnetic. I'm so excited. Get in. We are healing and falling in love with life. All the details will be down below. If you have any questions, just send me a DM on Instagram. I am so excited for those of you who are going to join and come on this journey. I like that you stress it doesn't have to be like 30-minute meditation and a one-hour walk followed by journaling for 25 minutes, which is like, it's great if you have the time, but versus like the all or nothing, like, oh, I have no time, so I'm going to do nothing. Like, you can fit in five minutes of journaling, a little herbal coffee, like a shower, and like that can be enough for you to kind of start your day, but it sets the tone, even though it's not like a three hour morning routine. Yeah, ex exactly. And you just have to be adaptable. If you, if you can't squeeze in a shower in the morning, take one at night before bed, you know, for me, I find if it's hair washing day, it's really hard to do it in the morning. 
Um, so like, I, I just find like, it just takes an extra half an hour just to blow dry my hair. And so sometimes I'll just do it at night. Cause then you have a little bit more time, you know, you can maybe do a little exfoliation in the shower, you know, file your nails, whatever. Like you have that extra time. And in the morning, like, I know I just have time for like a quick shower, do my skincare, maybe some quick, like my five minute makeup routine. And like, and then that's about it. So if you, if you pack on too much in the morning, you're going to feel rushed and stressed, and then you're getting your kids ready. And it just feels very flustered in the morning. Which we don't want. We all know we don't want like a no. nervous system. We don't want to stack it all in. We're responding to the day and we're running around and yeah. But I think that's so true because when you wake up almost like, granted, I don't have a kid, but like, I still feel like I feel this way. If I wake up and like, I have to go, 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 go and try to jam everything in. I don't feel good starting the day because I haven't had that space for myself yet, even if it is only like half an hour or an hour. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like mm-hmm. 100%, whether you're a mom or not, you need that time in the morning. So even if you're, I don't know, getting up and going to a corporate job and uh, you start at eight, nine o'clock, make the time to have that time for yourself in the morning because it's still going to impact your day. Yes, for sure. And if your partner does go to work and, or something like have them, maybe you know, like split up the morning routine so that both aren't with the kid, you know, like Matt and I kind of have a system both morning and even with bedtimes and stuff, like we, we split up things pretty evenly. And I feel like a lot of times it may be on one parent. Um, and so I feel like it's important to make sure things are evenly split up. So both people get time for themselves and for whatever else they need to get done in the day. Ooh, I like this. So you just gave me a perfect segue. In terms of like parenting with someone else and asking for help, I feel like sometimes moms want to or feel like they have to do it all or if they don't do it all, that makes them weak as a mom. Did you ever struggle in terms of like asking for help or, you know, with Maddie partner, how to like navigate both? Is there anything like you can speak to about that? Yes, all the time, Um, which is silly because when I, when I vent to Matt about like, oh, I don't have time for this or something, you know, his answer is usually just, oh, I can help you with that. Just, oh yeah, just let me know. And I know not every partner is like very, that supportive. Like I always, you know, really pride our relationship. Like we're very like much like teamwork and with kids, it's no different. Teamwork is everything. Otherwise someone's going to feel resented or guilty. Like it's not a good balance. So I feel like it's important to just be open and honest with your partner on like what you're struggling with. If it's like, you know, I really just need, uh, you know, 15 minutes to go shower and get myself ready. Can you do breakfast with so-and-so and just asking? Cause a lot of times I find like parents feel like they need to have permission from each other. You know, I'll even catch like Matt sometimes like, oh, I'm going to quickly go shower. And I've been doing this for a long time, but I'll catch him and say, you know, no, you don't have to do it quickly. Just like go take a shower. And he's like, yeah, I, I know. I don't know why I said that. Like, or I'm just going to go do this really quickly. And I find that wording can be negative in a way. Like you can't just go do that thing and be mindful about it. Like I'm good. Like sometimes you need the other person to be like, no, no, it's fine. Like don't rush. Just go do what you need to do. And then when it's my turn, I don't want to rush. So I feel like it's important. And the other thing is um, uh, just making sure like, say, you know, Matt's thing. Well, both of our things we do both like to go to CrossFit right now. So I also don't want him to feel guilty if he's like, Hey, I want to go work out right now. That that's not a, Oh, like you're going to work out again. And like, you're just leaving me with the kids. Like that is him doing what he needs for his mental health and his health. 
And if anything, he, when he comes back, he's going to be able to be a better dad, um, help me out because he's filled his cup. So I find a lot of times like people can, can almost put partner down because of like things that they're doing personally. Like you don't have to go to the gym. We don't have to do anything, but he wants to do it and it's beneficial to us all. And then it's the same thing as when I want to go to yoga or I want to go out for a coffee with a friend, you know, I want that same mutual respect and partnership. Do you think your relationship has changed at all since becoming parents? And if so, how do you think it's changed? Yes. It's funny because we've been through, like we've been together, I don't even know, 14 years, a very long time. And I know. <laughs> yes. They, yeah. <laughs> when you say it like that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So a very long time. And so we've gone through a lot of different stages. We've grown up together in a sense, you know, we, we met as adults, but we, we've just learned so much throughout our journey together. And when I first met him, like he had just finished, he's a couple, a few years older than me. So I was just starting school. He had finished school and, and we ended up like, we've, we've done a lot of things. We moved to Australia for two years. We did backpacking around the country. We, you know, started up a business. We've done house renos. Like um, we've invested in real estate. We've done like a lot of things that would cause a lot of tension between couples. And we've always been able to make it through. So I thought, you know, you know, I always knew I wanted to become a mom and I, I always knew Matt would make such a good dad, but I always thought, oh, well, we've done, we've done renos, backpacking, all these uncomfortable things that usually would cause tension, like easy peasy kids, you know, it is such a different thing because sleep deprivation <laughs> adds like a whole other level. And it's just like, you know, there's just a lot more to do during the day. And both of you are, you know, you're trying to be um, helpful to each other, but both of your lives have changed a lot and your freedom. And, but I, I don't like to say like, Oh, freedom's out the window. It's just like, it's just a lot more responsibilities on both of you. And you need to work harder than ever to make a, a good balance, um, across like the whole family household. And I think it's, there's definitely a learning curve. Um, in the beginning, it's, I feel like it was pretty easy because you're in this like newborn bubble and, Sage was a winter baby. So everything was kind of like, you know, we're all like hibernating anyway. So it was, it was easier. And we were both home. He was on pat leave. I took some a little bit of time off from my business. And that was easy. But I feel like as the sleep challenges come, the they just start to get older, the mood swings come. That is, I always say kids will point out your faults, your fears, your um anything that you maybe need to work on, it like gets magnified. And for me, it was patience and not taking things personally. And like trying to like, I don't like control situations like, oh, if she didn't do what I wanted her to do. Like, that's okay. It was a lot of me trying to work on my own stuff, because I feel like it's like a, a reflection on you. And I feel like it just makes you grow a lot as an individual. So I think Matt and I both grew a lot individually, but also together as like, once again, that partnership is everything with kids and just really leaning on each other for support. I like that you stress the partnership and the teamwork. Cause I think that's very important when it comes to parenting. It's not like a I and I it's like, what can we do together to make this work versus like, each individual person getting what they need because if you don't work together like you said shit's gonna hit the fan there's no way 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's the most important thing to do is like that, that teamwork. Like you are, even if we're like a little bit annoyed at each other and it's not even about like him or me, it's just maybe like our daughter is like creating a stressful situation and we're just kind of both on edge. You know, sometimes we'll just like, I'll, I'll give him like a little fist pump, like go team, you know, cause you're really just, you know, sometimes you're not thriving, you're surviving, but if you aren't in a good headspace with your partner, it's just going to make a lot more pressure, like with the whole parenting aspect. So it's like, make sure you're in a good headspace with your partner first, that you can parent well. And so if things are coming up, kind of address them, look where you're maybe not acting as a team. Maybe if something is coming up for one individual person, how that other person can support that person with what they're going through and, you know, what they're dealing with and being a parent. And I think what also, obviously moms go through a lot, but I don't think, People, I think people underestimate, like, it is still a big change for dad. It's still a lot for, you know, the dad figures. Do you feel like there is enough kind of, like, talk about how it is for, like, dads and or, yeah, resources and stuff like that for them? Because I feel like everyone talks about moms, which is good, but, like, dads also, it's a huge shift, no? Yes, for sure. I think in the beginning, I think the hard thing was, you know, I was um, breastfeeding stage and stuff, so our daughter was very much on me and I'm, and I think a lot of dads can feel a little disconnected with their kids at first and not in a, they don't love them, but you know, you hear moms like, Oh, I have this instant, like overwhelming connection with my baby. And well, yeah, you've been the one growing them, you've birthed them. And now if you're breastfeeding, like that is, they are so much physically a part of you. And at this point, the dad's just like handed you the sperm and that's their job is done. Right. So I feel like when Sage was born, although obviously like Matt, like loved her so much. He like, I remember one time he expressed to me that he still was working on feeling super connected as a dad. And I had like the early baby emotions and I was so upset (laughs) and I wanted him to be open with me. And he was just like, yeah, like I just, you know, I know it's going to come. I just um, like, yeah, where he was just expressing what was going on in his mind. And and I was so upset and, uh, and then I realized, but I was obviously in a very emotional state, but, you know, I realized, well, yeah, like he hasn't been the one, you know, growing this baby and she's all, all she wants is like the boob right now. And anytime she would be with him, you know, she would fall asleep on him and stuff, but we were also trying to introduce a bottle at this date or like probably around like the two month mark. And she fought it so much. So when Matt was trying to feed her, she would just scream And so that was the experience Matt had with feeding stage. And so we just ended up cutting the bottle all together. But, you know, it took a little bit for Matt to go through that transition. Because like, yeah, as a mom, you're going through it in a very physical way. And I feel like dads can be a little bit disconnected. And it, it took Matt, you know, a few months, I think, to really feel like a dad. And now, like, they're inseparable. Like, they he is, he is so patient, so kind. He probably changes more diapers, even though I try not to tell him that, but it's their relationship has been so beautiful. And I think that's the most attractive thing ever is to see as someone who like didn't have a good dad experience growing up and neither did he, I find it such an attractive quality to see him, you know, being this amazing dad, like there's nothing sexier. And I always just say like, he's being the dad that we never got. And that's been like one of my favorite things just to see him like grow as a dad. I couldn't agree more. Seeing dads being like good dads is just so, it's, maybe it's our ovaries or our woman instincts. It's just like, 
<laughs> like hot dad like playing with their kids or like you see like hot dads playing with their little girls you're just like oh my yeah there's there's few things that are as attractive so i get that now when he was like building that connection do you think it was just time or was there anything specifically that you think really kind of helped was it like maybe they had to, they had a bath time together which was another like form of like touch and connecting or i don't know because i really like the point you brought up so I think as someone who is a little bit of, uh, like I can be a perfectionist and, and, and controlling with some things. When you have a kid, it's like this thing that you got to share. And it means like you need to share how you're going to raise them. You need to be, you know, compromising. And I feel like what's really important is, um, and I caught myself early on where Matt had already changed a lot of diapers at this point, And I was critiquing how he was changing the diaper. And he stopped and looked at me and he said, you know how many diapers I've changed? You don't think I know how to change her diaper? And then I realized like his way doesn't need to be exactly my way to be good. And it's not that it's like, oh, mediocre. It's like, no, he like he he has his way and it works. And like maybe he doesn't spread the butt cream thick enough or whatever. But like it's I felt I feel like if you're constantly criticizing little things that they're doing for their kid it can probably make them feel more disconnected, like that it's not our child, it's your child, and I'm just like babysitting, you know, so if you put them in that box, then it's like you're getting that stereotype of dad doesn't change diapers, dad doesn't wash the bottles, dad doesn't do this, because you're not letting them. So I really caught myself, and now, like, whether it's he's heating, he's making her, if he makes her breakfast, and he's made her, like, the same sourdough toast and avocado and strawberries for the last 10 days, you know, I'm just happy he's making her breakfast, you know, and I really try not to nitpick because that is gonna like lower his confidence as a parent as well. So I wouldn't want that. And so unless he's doing something that's dangerous, it's like, you know, you you got it. He's learning like I am. And if I like learn something in a book that I recently heard, I'm like, I'll give him like, oh, I, I learned this and I'll say it in a positive way. But I I've stopped like criticizing the parenting because he's doing an awesome job. Oh my God. I, I'm so glad that was the most beautiful answer because it just brings <laughs> everything I say about emasculating. You know, it doesn't matter if you're emasculating him for unloading the dishwasher or, like you said, parenting, right? Because when you make those mm-hmm. comments and emasculate them, then they don't feel like, like you said, they're confident and they don't feel connected and they feel like they're just doing it wrong. So then they maybe don't want to do the thing, let alone, oh, I love that. You just built it. I couldn't have a better answer myself. Thank you. <laughs> No, it's, it's been, it's been a learning lesson for me to like, let go of control and let him, you know, take the steering wheel. And like you said, it's done. Like the diaper's probably going to be on whether the butt cream is like perfectly thick or whatever, or like the breakfast, like she's fed. It's a, a nutritious meal. Like, you know, it's, it's not the worst. And I'm learning from him now. Like he has a system. If he knows like, okay, he's giving Sage a bath. He already has like, before he puts her in the bath, cause it's harder to like figure things out once they're wet and in a towel and they're slippery. It's like, he has already on our bed, her sleep sack, diaper, pajamas, butt cream, like lotion. He has everything laid out like a, like a conveyor belt kind of thing. And it's ready to go. Like he has a system. And now I do that. I'm like, Oh, that's such a great idea. Cause when she's out, it's like, boom, 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 boom. And he, he does have a little bit of OCD. So I feel like it's helped him in some ways, but it's like by letting him just like be himself and figure things out on his own. Like I'm learning from him now. So he's, he's got the system down. Oh, I love that. You guys, see, you know what I really like is that 
I was watching you for years, and then, like, I felt you guys had such a beautiful relationship, and then even getting to know you more, I just feel like you're so real. And what I love <clears> is that, like, you're such a positive role model, you guys, as a couple. So, I just love that. You're so I sweet. Wanna, I want to touch on one last thing, and I know, I think you know it's going to be your breastfeeding journey, because... I look, I applaud when you're like two years in and you're still going. I'm like, yes, I'm like, when I'm having a kid, I'm like, I'm gonna be like Nicole. Two years in, I'm still gonna be going. Were there times where, like, maybe, because I don't think I've watched, if you've done videos, I haven't really, really watched that much into like your breastfeeding journey. But were you wanting to throw in the towel or has it always been like, why would I stop? Or were there times where you kind of like almost stop or you kind of like, what's that look like? Oh, yes. It's been an interesting journey because when once Sage turned one, I feel like the one one year mark is like that unspoken rule of, okay, time to stop breastfeeding. They're too old for it. Right. But it's there's so much pressure as a mom that once that even when I was gearing up to that one year mark, I started hearing that. Oh, when when are you going to stop? Like, oh, are are you planning on stopping soon? The conversation started popping up here and there, whether in life on social media, like this isn't just like, like faceless trolls on the internet. It's like in your real life. And I know it comes from, I know it doesn't come from like a place of hate, sometimes just curiosity, sometimes it's judgment or whatever. But it definitely was a a hard thing to go through because I didn't feel ready at one year to stop. So I felt pressure. And I remember talking to Matt, like, I just don't think I'm ready. And he would say, you know, well, like, if you don't want to stop, don't stop. Like, it doesn't bother me. And I think that's really important. I think it's really important for the partner not to put judgment on the mom as well, because it is so, first off, one year old is not the, the, like the finish line for breastfeeding. And it is so good for them in so many ways. But I think what happens is like, you know, there, the reality is not every mom can breastfeed. And so I think that there's judgment from those that maybe stopped sooner than they wanted, couldn't at all, um, or maybe just jealous or, or whatever. I think people will kind of put their own experiences and expectations on you and think, well, I stopped at this time because I couldn't go long enough. Um, you should stop too. And so at the one year mark, I thought, yeah, I felt pressure to stop. And then I, we went another month and another month and another month. And then I started getting questions in my personal life as well. And I was starting to get judgment. I would feel a little bit more uncomfortable if I was breastfeeding in public because people are like, isn't your kid too old to be like on the boob? Like they're able to ask for it. And Sage knows sign language. So she was able to ask for milk at a very young age without words. And, and I just, you know, and then she was getting teeth. And once again, they have teeth now they're too, they're too old. So for the last like year, like she's now over two, but definitely the last year, there's been so much pressure to stop. And I'm so happy I didn't because whether we're traveling or she's been sick or she's just wanted extra cuddles, being able to give her that support has been the best thing ever. I don't have to worry about her being dehydrated when she's sick or worrying about if she's not eating any food because she, when she's sick, like going through those like sick patches as they're like coming into contact with viruses and stuff has been really great for the whole family. And now we're, and also I've gotten so much judgment online as well. Like I've shared little bits and it's just been interesting because the amount of messages I get from moms that are still breastfeeding, like three-year-olds, but in secret is actually quite sad. If you ask me, like they're undercover breastfeeding because they don't feel like they can talk about it. 
And this morning I actually shared a photo on, or a little clip on Instagram stories of me, like still going, you know, breastfeeding. And I had a comment within minutes, like, I think it's, a, I think it's time. And I felt uncomfortable sharing that because I haven't actually talked about in the last like couple months that I'm still breastfeeding, even though, or like shown me actually breastfeeding my daughter. And yeah, she's getting bigger. She's, she's walking, talking, running, and she's still on the boob. And it can be uncomfortable, even though it feels normal in my real life, it can be uncomfortable sometimes to share it online because I know it makes other people feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I know I do that to support other moms who are still doing it and maybe hiding it or not talking about it. And I also got messages that were like, me too, still going. And you need to do what's best for you and your baby and your family and not what other people are telling you, like when to stop. So I've just continued to share my journey and I purposely share that I'm still breastfeeding because I think it's quite normal to go past two years. And the recommendation is actually now two years, like by all the health people, you know, like in the industry. So I just think it's funny that the one year mark is usually deemed as the you're done. Yeah, I don't know where people thought of that. I mean, I also don't know where people thought of like the pill was supposed to be helpful. It's like there's so much like stuff out there that's not exactly helpful. But even if you do choose, I don't think people should be telling you like it's time to stop. Like according to whom, right? Like if, if it was time to stop, mm-hmm. then, like, maybe you're like you wouldn't have a supply. Like you say you wouldn't want it anymore. I feel like you would know, and it almost like goes against a woman's intuition. Like you know when it's time to stop because you'll kind of feel it. And I think each individual woman should be listening to their bodies for what they think is time for them to stop and what's right for them. Mm-hmm, I agree. So yeah, we're still going. And I think it's helpful that Matt too, if Matt was to put judgment on me, I think that would be really hard if he was like, Ooh, you, uh, you think we should just like quit it soon, you know, but he's, I think he, he, he knows, he knows not to say anything like that, but he is just like, it doesn't bother me. Like it's good for her, you know, why not? I can't believe if a partner did that, Oh, I'd have to have a serious conversation with them. Right? I know. Give them some homework to read up on. Uh, so <laughs> since you've been breastfeeding for a couple of years, is there anything that you feel has really like helped you been able to breastfeed for two years? Like specifically, I know you have to like eat a certain amount of milk and there's like lactation teas and all that, but there anything you're like, oh yeah, this makes a difference and this maybe has helped me do it for this long. So the biggest thing in terms of like, phys, um, like mechanically being able to do it, definitely learning about how to get a good latch. Um, in the beginning, it's very uncomfortable and painful. I didn't get to like any like bleeding or scabbing stages, but that's com- common. And I learned very early on from my amazing doula and midwife um, team at the time on how to get a good latch. And I talk about this like on my channel, but basically like the more boob in the mouth, the better. And that's all I say is because like, you think like, it's just like the nipple in the mouth. It's not, it's like, you really want to get that good latch. Cause if it's super unpainful, if it's super uncomfortable and painful for a long time, it's going to be hard to, to continue. So pain management is everything and getting that good latch. Cause like, it doesn't matter what your milk supply is. If you're like crying in pain and luckily that was only, it probably was only uncomfortable for the first week or two. And I was able to kind of get past that because afterwards your body adjusts and um, you start to kind of get a little numb to the pain and it does get comfortable after it doesn't hurt if you can get past that. In terms of um, like your milk supply, you know, biggest thing, rest and food like you need to fuel. Oh, and hydration. So hydration, fuel 
and rest. Um, those are key. Anytime I would dip on one of those, I would notice a dip in my supply. Um, a trick I do, I would do sometimes when I would have a dip is power pumping. And you can like look this up. Basically, you're using a breast pump and you're mimicking, um, what's it called? Uh, cluster feeding. And when a newborn, when a baby's born, they go through something like day two, they start cluster feeding which just means they're, they're on the boob all the time. It, it will adjust eventually, but they're breastfeeding like crazy and, or you're breastfeeding like crazy. So the power pumping helps mimic that and it can kind of just boost your milk a little bit. Um, and then there are things like, I know people sometimes will take like, a, is it sunflower uh, lecithin or so? I never took that. I would just do the power pumping, uh, power pumping and then eat things like oats and flax seeds. And some people will do, uh, I don't know if it's brewers, there's a yeast, but I felt like that made me itchy. I don't know. I didn't do well with that. So I would just like add flax and stuff and eat more oats, um, and things and just stay hydrated. Um, were, were the big things, but like the biggest thing is the pain. So early on, figure out the latch, whether you have to get a, a lactation consultant and also learn different uh, ways of breastfeeding. Like I did a lot of sideline breastfeeding, which just puts less pressure on your back. You can just lay down and, and it's great because when they're done, they just kind of pop off and they'll go to sleep and you can just have a nap. Um, so there's just many, there's a lot to learn about breastfeeding. I didn't know anything. I learned as I went and I would definitely, if that's something you want to do, like pick up some books on breastfeeding. Cause it's not just like common sense when you become a mom, it's something you need to learn. Okay. We're also going to link your channel down below. Cause I feel like you've got such good, well, whether you're a mom or not, cause I still watch your videos, videos about this and mom stuff. And like, I feel like you've done updates on like different stages if I'm right. Yes. So people can yes. by where they are, they can kind of like watch those videos. You even have your birth vlog up, right? And it was natural. So oh my God. Yes. Have fun. Get your popcorn out. I, I feel like if I watch a birth vlog, I just end up crying. Like, I don't, to me, they're, like, so beautiful. I don't know. Maybe that's a woman thing. But, like, yeah, I, I love watching birth vlogs. Even when you're not pregnant, I feel like they're just, like, a beautiful thing to watch. So we will link your channel down below. Is Thank you. Is there anything else that you feel like really makes a difference in your life when it comes to living well? Uh -huh. Live well podcast. Um, for me, it's, I feel like a lot of things or most of what I do in the health aspect is for my mental health. I know a lot of times people are working out, eating clean or healthy because they want to look a certain way. At the end of the day, I don't care how I look if my mental health isn't in check. I work out and I eat a balanced diet or I don't even like the word diet, but I eat a balanced I, way of eating because I want to feel good mentally and that has always been my motivation for, and then, you know, what comes after when, when you do all those things, you just feel stronger. You feel you have better digestion. You have more energy. Like I don't drink coffee yet. I have more energy than my partner who drinks like probably way too much uh, caffeine throughout the day. You know, all those things will come naturally. Um, but you, I think everyone has their, their motivation. And for me, it's always just been um, to support my mental health. And that's, you know, moving, meditating, not everyone needs to meditate, moving, meditating, oh, eating well. I don't know. I'm going to come and be like, oh, everyone needs, I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's five minutes. Everyone should meditate. Even if it's five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, and I think, uh, 
And also just like I said, get it going outside. Too many people are inside way too much, especially, you know, Canadians in the wintertime. They're like, I don't like the snow. It's too cold. You know, get outside. Even if you just like sit outside with your morning coffee, take some deep breaths and uh, it's going to just be amazing for your overall health. And do you feel, just one last quick question, that you focusing on your mental health was really good for you even postpartum in terms of like pressure to bounce back or like get healthy, like in terms of looking the way you did before you were pregnant, do you feel like your focus on mental health is what really kind of like, that's what you focus on instead of like getting your body back to look a certain way? Uh, yes, actually, even before becoming a mom, one of my, you know, everyone has like me, well, not everybody, but I had like my little like to do list of things I wanted to work on and prep my body for before becoming a mom. I knew the transition of like pregnancy and birth and becoming a mom would be really big. And my mental health hasn't always been great. And it's something I, you know, I, I, I still work on. And I felt like working on that, my stuff before becoming a mom was one of the best things I did. And it doesn't mean that journey stops, but there were key things that I did. Uh, and meditation was huge. Um, that probably the biggest thing that I implemented to calm my nervous system and almost like prep my mind and body before having a child, because pregnancy is, I would say for me was more mental than physical. And then after I had Sage, you know, I, I honestly feel like I didn't really have postpartum depression. I had a bit of baby blues, but that's very common. But I was so worried about getting postpartum depression because of my history with mental health. And I felt like all those things I did to prep my body and my mind really helped me. If anything, I felt my strongest mentally after, especially after a natural drug-free birth. I was like, I can do anything after after that. So um yeah. And then I, even after I gave birth, like I still continue to meditate because it's just like the maintenance after of uh, just keeping that in check. And obviously a lot of stresses can come up with uh, having a baby. And by doing things like daily meditation, it allows me to have like the mental capacity to handle stressful situations with her. And they almost don't seem so stressful because you are able to like just handle them a lot better. I love that you said maintenance too. It's like, it's important to keep up with it, to maintain that capacity, to maintain like feeling good and all that. So I love that. Yeah. Cause you don't go to the gym, get a six pack and go, I'm done. I'm good. You're like, you, no. you need to, if you want to. all the time, but I love that someone else is saying it. Can I just affirm? I love it. Yeah. You, you got it. It's not just like you eat that kale salad and you're good. It's like that, that maintenance, that consistency over time that really makes the biggest differences. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to link everything down below. I love your tips. I love your Instagram. I love your YouTube. You saved my Le Crusette pan. Guys, she has a hack that if you like, she's burnt on, go watch it because everyone needs to know. Like, I'm, you saved my like $300 pot because it was crusted. You have the best tips. You also, like, I don't know. I love it. So go binge her content, her reels, her YouTube. She's just a wonderful, I like to say, like, you're wholesome and like, relatable. I don't know. I feel like, you know, Great all around. Can't think of enough good adjectives for you. But thank you. I'm smiling so big right now. I'm like, thank you. You're so sweet. And back at you. I love I love your content. We're just inspiring each other. Thank you.